Hello. I'm going to talk today on the subject of coping with change. Change is a very important part of our lives. It's been said that uh, uh, women marry men hoping, uh, thinking they'll change them, and men marry women thinking they won't change, and both are doomed to disappointment. But uh, change, nevertheless, is something that we have to live with and have to cope with, and usually don't know what to do about. We would like to keep things sort of in the same line that we've been going. When you go to Italy, I don't know if you've ever traveled there, but the first thing you do when you cross the border or land at Fiumicino, probably after getting your luggage, will be to go to the exchange window. In India, I mean in, in Italy, it's called cambio. And you go there to change your money. And once you've got your money, if you've never been to Italy before, you give them, say, uh, $10. And you suddenly find yourself stuck with something that uh, seems inconceivable, 12,000 lire. It's like play money. You don't know what to do with it. You keep trying to change it back in your mind uh, to read it in terms of dollars. And uh, that's what change is like in our lives also, that we face change and we keep trying to translate it, to exchange it back into the things that we know, the things we're familiar with. And yet, every experience in life is really a thing in itself. And unless we can come at it with a clear mind, instead of with this sort of fog of our own experiences, then we don't really relate to it properly, we don't gain from it, we don't uh, know how to, how to make the most out of any experience that we have. One thing that I've noticed, I've done a lot of traveling in my life, and I've seen that people can, less so now, but uh, certainly after the war when there was less um, contact between countries. Now, for example, you may find somebody living in San Francisco, but all these clothes are from Italy. Um, the food he eats may be French or Spanish or Mexican or German and so on. But even so, you can pretty well tell just from looking at somebody, uh, to a large extent anyway, where he's from. I remember in a restaurant in New York City, I saw a woman come in with her escort, and I said to a friend I was with, uh, she's from England. And he said, don't be absurd, you can't just tell by looking at somebody. Thus then we heard her turn to her escort and say, well, where shall we sit? In a very English accent. And uh, similarly, I find that uh, wherever you go, you will find the same experience. Now, there are some people who don't carry their baggage with them, who, when they're in Italy or France or Germany, don't look like Americans, even if they are. They sort of reflect back to the country where they're from, where, where they are, I should say. They also somehow are themselves in relation to whatever new experience they have. This was an experience I found very astonishing in the great Indian master, uh, Paramahansa Yogananda. There's a couple of photographs I've always remembered. One, he's standing next to the president of Mexico, which back then, I think it was in the 20s, was Portes Gil. And, uh, the president of Mexico was a very large, stout person who sort of looked like this. 
And Yogananda standing next to him without in any way trying to imitate him, but because he was so sort of an, a clear mirror, he could reflect whomever he was with, darned if he didn't somehow look like Portes Gil. That's all right, you might think, okay, the man's somewhat stout, he's short, he's uh, like that. But there's another photograph that uh, in the uh, little booklet that I, I uh, am referring to, that I saw these two pictures in very close to one another, he's standing next to Amelita Gallicurci, the great Italian opera singer. Now, Gallicurci was very frail, short, small, thin, delicate looking, totally different. And somehow, Yogananda looked like her. Now, I can't understand how one body can look so different, and yet he's the only person I know, I lived with him for three and a half years, he's the only person I've ever known that I couldn't remember what he looked like without looking at a photograph. I saw him day after day, and I still couldn't remember what he looked like. Why? Because he was always reflecting the moment. He was reflecting the people that he was with. That doesn't mean that if they were angry, he was angry. No, there was something else, a higher aspect of them that would reflect back to them what they could become if they got over that anger, you might say. But there was something about him that was always right here and right now. Now, if change is a threat to you, then this probably means that you're settling into uh, a kind of rut that Yogananda used to describe as psychologically being an, a psychological antique is the expression he used to apply to a lot of people. That they don't change from one day to the next, from one month to the next, from one year to the next, and goodness knows perhaps not from one life to the next. I remember one friend of mine who had a little tune that he whistled. It was rather a tuneless tune. <laughs> something like that. I don't know why I don't remember it, because it's the one thing that he whistled day in and day out for all the years that I knew him. That so had to be a fairly tuneless tune. But the thing is, he was so stuck in that that he couldn't get out of it. He was the same person all that time. Well, we need to learn to be able to cope with the changes that come, because as long as we're in that rut, and we can't see up over the sides of it because we've worn it so deep that all we, we find ourselves uh, confined in are the two sides of this deep rut and the blue sky overhead. Well, that's no great problem, is it? I mean, we, we uh, at least we're comfortable. We might as well be asleep, but there's nothing particularly threatening us. The trouble with life is that it doesn't keep, doesn't allow us to stay in that rut. It takes us off, not to Italy, to Germany, to France. It takes us off from uh, a job, from a relationship, from a home, from the security that we've got in, uh, at the present moment. It takes us into something that we consider traumatic. And yet, you know, this is something Yogananda said too, conditions are always neutral. They seem good or bad according to the uh, positive or negative attitudes of the mind. But if we're in this rut and suddenly we find ourselves exposed to that great world out there because we've been yanked out of it or the sides of that rut have been destroyed, we try, this is the human tendency, to sort of go in the same way anyway. It's like the English in the tropics. It was their way of sorting, sort of keeping uh, touch with 
sanity as they considered it, but in fact with habit, which was the reality. But they would always dress, no matter how hot it was, they would dress for dinner. The same stuffy, stodgy clothes that uh, they wore in London, where it was cold, foggy. Right there in Singapore, Malaysia, India, they would be dressed for dinner. Well, this is how people tend to be. They dress themselves in their clothes. They dress themselves in their habits, in their attitudes. And they haven't got the flexibility to be able to change direction. Now, just ask yourself a, not a pleasant question, but uh, a question that some people in this century, unfortunately millions of them, many millions of them, have had to face. Put yourself, for example, in Germany. Maybe you're a Jew. Maybe you're just a completely uh, normal Christian. Not one of those strange people as they were considered by the Germans at that time. But just another German like them, but somehow in Dutch with the system. Perhaps they liked your money or your home, whatever it is. You go to bed one night and about three in the morning there's a knock on the door and suddenly you're taken away from <clears throat> everything you've ever known everything that you've built up around you, everything you've sought so hard to amass, to collect, beautiful objects, money, friends, reputation, respect of others, and suddenly you're put into a cattle car with a hundred other people and kept in a position where you could hardly move and then suddenly you're there in a concentration camp in the most undignified, alienated, conditions imaginable. And most people would go crazy under, that, under those circumstances. Many did. Most people would suffer intensely. Many did. But, you know, there were some people, in fact, a friend of mine went through this experience. He was a nobleman, a prince, in fact, in Yugoslavia. And he was thrown into a concentration camp. Do you know that that man looked back on those years as some of the happiest memories of his life? Can you believe it? It's because he was not attached. And so he was able to relate to these new circumstances. All right, this is where I am now. Let me make the best of it. And he used to help other people, do things for other people. There was a lovely episode there where one time a uh, man was condemned along with several other people to be executed. And this man had a wife and children, and so this friend of mine offered himself, saying that this man has, has responsibilities, take my life instead. And the commandant there was so astounded at this offer that he just let both of them go. But that kind of experience is possible only if we have certain basic attitudes. And the first one is not to be attached not to identify yourself with who you seem to be, who you are superficially, with this body and this language that you speak and these possessions you have and friends you have and position you have. To, be, to realize that you are, in fact, it was an interesting experience I had. I wrote my autobiography. It's a book called The Path. You've probably seen it or possibly seen it, I should say, in the bookstores. And it was very interesting for me to go back to when I was a child and sort of relive those experiences as if they, they were as real for me while I was writing as, they, as what I'm doing right now is. But I would look at photographs of myself when I was three, when I was four, when I was a baby in my crib. 
And I'd see a very different person superficially. You probably wouldn't recognize me from those pictures. But I'd look into the eyes, and I'd say he's the same old fellow. We don't change that much. We came into this world without anything, and we'll leave this world again without anything. And we build what we build around us is all a dream. It's not real. We're here for another purpose. We've got another life to live that we don't normally recognize. But if we can begin by saying, none of this is mine, a practice that I follow every night is to give it all back to God. It's not mine. Everything I've done, everything I have, all the people I know, it's yours, God. It's not mine. And that way, when I go to sleep, I go to sleep peacefully, completely free, realizing that if I wake up in the morning, not in this world anymore, but in some other, okay, it doesn't matter. I'm free. A good thing would be to just sort of think of your heart and think of it as having little uh, uh, sort of strands going out from it that are attached to different things. Just cut every one of those attachments and polish the heart until it's shining, until it's just bright in itself. It's not held by anything. And then offer that into the infinite and say that I'm completely free. I don't need anything. The next thing we need to do is live at our center. You see, most people live at their periphery. Even when they go to Italy or Germany and act like Texans or Californians or whatever they are, and they, they, you might say, well, they're being centered in themselves. But in fact, they're, they're putting up a hostile barrier, in a way, to these new impressions. So they're still living on their periphery. They're still pushing at the edge of that periphery. They're pushing away these experiences to be just what they are. Well. The important thing is, wherever you are, to just be yourself, and the more yourself, inwardly. You see, if you live at your center, not at your periphery, then it's sort of like a skier. When a skier flows, goes down the, a slope, he goes with the flow of it. If he sees a mogul there, uh, a mogul, for those of you who don't ski, is a little bump in the hill, and obviously you've got to do something about it, um, he, he can immediately, if he's centered in himself, turn right or left to go around it. But if he's decided that at that point, before he even sees the mogul, he's going to go right, and he's already leaning into a, uh, a right turn, and then suddenly sees this thing, and it's something that forces him to turn left, he'll fall over, won't he? But if you're centered in yourself, even in sports, if you're centered in yourself, you can change like that. You can change directions in a moment. You can change... Uh, what you're doing, you can change how you speak, what your attitude is. It'll give you that kind of control over yourself so that you won't get moody or upset or fearful because you'll be able to just say, well, whatever is, is. Conditions are always neutral. And when you can control your own thoughts, your own attitudes and reactions, when you can, in fact, act rather than react, when you can learn to be a cause and not an effect, then you can cope with change. Yogananda used to say that you should be so strong and deep in your own inner consciousness that you can stand unshaken amidst the crash of breaking worlds. And that's how we need to be. Just tell yourself every night, whatever is, it doesn't matter. 
It's not me. I don't define myself in any of these outer terms. I am myself. So not to be attached, to be centered in yourself. And finally, if you would take the time to center yourself on a higher level, because it's a pejorative word to say he's self-centered. And I'm not talking of people being self-centered in that way, of being selfish, insensitive to the needs of others, and uh, indifferent to what goes on outside you. Rather, I'm talking of that level of self-centeredness where you can be interested in everything that goes on around you because you're not committed to one particular worry or one particular fear or one particular ambition. And so, if you can learn to practice every day a little meditation, just to sit still. We have uh, lessons that we send out to people who want to learn how to meditate, but maybe you can learn it from other books and so on as you choose. The important thing is that you learn to sit still for a while, and instead of just letting your mind always sort of be active and churn up all these emotions and thoughts, listen for a change. Listen to what your higher self is trying to say to you. Listen to what God is whispering in your soul. Listen to what the flow of the moment is, because only that one whose consciousness is eternal is also capable of change. That is to say, we're all inflicted with change, but we're not capable of flowing with that change. To live in eternity is to live in the moment. To live in the moment, to be in the moment but not of the moment, shall we say, is to be able to relate to whatever happens. So when you travel, leave your baggage at home. Don't check that along with your luggage. Leave all those thoughts. Come into any new experience. I'm not talking of traveling to another country. I'm talking of traveling also just from your home, traveling to work, finding new experiences finding new people. Don't always compare things with what went along behind. You see, we're all like people in a post office where they put letters in certain slots. And so everybody who comes, he has a certain set number of slots, like in a hotel. And uh, so he says, oh, this letter goes in slot 232, this one goes in 344, this in 520. Instead of that, forget about those slots. Just take it as it is. Don't put it into some preconceived position, square or whole or whatever that you've made for it, take things as they are in themselves. Take people as they are in themselves. Take yourself as you are, wherever you are. You too will change, but in that change you will see only constantly varying, delightfully varying reflections and expressions of that deeper self that never changes. Thank you.